On today's edition of Bench Bros, the Raptors take control of the NBA Finals. Is Kevin Durant the savior of the Warriors need? The Blues and Bruins go back and forth in the Stanley Cup. A surprise new heavyweight champion in boxing, and the Cubs get a new closer. All that and more on Bench Bros. Let's go! All right, welcome to this edition of the Bench Bros Sports Podcast. We're glad you could join us today as we are a bunch of sports junkies debating about the hottest topics going around in the world of sports. I'm your host, Wesley Splane. Joining me today are Anthony Pertini and Brandon Farrell. Guys, what's happening? What's up? Yo, what's up? I ask you guys what's up. Answer my question first, then I'll answer yours. Oh, back in Florida. Uh, zero sunshine, lots of rain, and lots of clouds. Pertini. Just home, like I said before, in Jersey, watching the game. Oh, are you watching the Yankee game? I got the uh, the Blues and Bruins game on right now. Blues Who's Yankees playing? They're playing this early? No, no, the game hasn't Well, they're yet. just a warm-up. Oh, I'm yeah, watching the Yankee the game. Um, they start at 8. What's this? Uh, it's zero. Who are they it's zero zero right now. They're playing the Blue Jays. But you know Vlad Guerrero Jr. He's the Yankee killer, man. I don't know, man. How do you guys? Just real quick, how do you guys think his career is going to turn out? You think it's going to live up to what he's supposed to be? Yeah, he's just going to be like his dad. And probably the franchise guy in uh, Toronto. I'm not even sure who that is. <laughs> Come on, Ant. Who is it? Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, I heard the last name, but I just don't know. His son. I've, dude, I haven't watched the Yankees really play much. Because with the Stanley – like, once hockey's over, I'll be watching that more in golf and NASCAR, obviously. But I just don't watch it that, that much during, obviously, Stanley Cup. I mean, you get the NBA Finals on. So It's his first year, isn't it? Yeah, it's his first year. He'll probably be the rookie of the year if they have um, an award for that in the AL. Boys, I have a very interesting story today. This is pretty cool to kick it off since we're in NBA final season. Um, my father is a contractor, as you know, and he has a painter that obviously paints for him. And he asked me if I wanted to work with him last week. So I said, yeah, sure. Why not? I'm not doing anything this week. I have time to, you know, fill in and help him out. So I get to the house today that he's working at. I walk inside and I'm like, wow, this house is really big. Um, so I go up to the painter, which my dad's friend. And I said to him, I'm like, Hey, what's up? How's it going? He's like, good. Thanks for helping out. And I'm like, just curious, like, what does this guy or what these people do for work? And he just goes, Oh, he's an NBA ref. I'm like, so this guy's house that you're painting that I'm in right now, he's an NBA ref. He's like, yeah, he was in the finals. He's he's ref in the finals this week. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. In New Jersey, this guy, I don't, I don't want to drop it, but lives directly, well, not across, but side to the side of Todd Frazier's old house, just like there's not enough celebrities on that Where street. is this? So, in Tom's River. What's his name? I'm not... Not really. Oh names. come on, dude! Nobody, no, nope. nobody gives a shit who the ref is. 
Oh, this guy cares. Can you text me his name? Yeah, sure. Because I'm curious to see who it is. It's one of the NBA uh, refs in the finals. Is he? So how many? How many final? How many refs? refs. Yeah, exactly. So pick. I don't know. Just text me his fucking name, dude. Who cares? I'm not going to go to his house. (laughs) Do your research. Well, well. In all fairness, um. So like replay center and all that is in Secaucus for the NBA, so that's probably why he's in Tom's career. Yep. Born, I don't know where he's born, but yeah. was, oh, was that his last day? Was it a mansion? It wasn't like a mansion, but it was big, like pretty big, and you know they got all this extra stuff in the backyard, and he's got like this kind of like Escalade. Yes. There you go. You could say that for sure. Ferrari in the garage? No, actually, two motorcycles. Oh, nice. It's a, it's like a long bed, matte black Cadillac Escalade. That boy. That boy. Still. They make good money. Yeah, he's got to be making at least two hundred thousand minimum. I think he's been in the league for like 20, 20 years, so probably even more than that. Yeah. No man, they they start at like fifty to seventy five thousand. I think they can make up to six hundred thousand. I do believe. NBA finals. Making... I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, so he's probably making more. But you you could start at like I think seventy five thousand, make yourself all the way up to five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get started with the NBA finals. Last night, Toronto took a two one lead in the series over the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry had a career night with 47 points, but it didn't, it didn't come up close for them to pull out the W. Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant are, were out for injuries. And here's a quick update for you. Clay Thompson is now active for game four, while KD is out. So that is still the main headline for the Kevin Durant saga of this series. He's still out in the NBA Finals. Uh, Brandon, what do you think about the NBA Finals so far? It's been back and forth. And- Toronto has been putting up a lot of great punches. Um, so just like everybody was speculating, Toronto should have absolutely won last night. If they didn't, they'd be in trouble. Uh, they showed signs of a vulnerability uh, last night, even just with Steph Curry on the court as their main playmaker. Uh, Kyle Lowry again with the stupid fouls. I, I, I don't know what he what's going on with him, but he's just not playing the way he should be. Um, I figured Clay Thompson would be active for this next game, for game four. Kevin Durant, I don't think we're going to see him for the rest of the series. Uh, but with Clay Thompson back, I mean, that's another weapon for the Warriors. And a takeaway from last night, Kawhi Leonard barely touched the ball in the first half of the game. I fell, I fell asleep at halftime, so I didn't watch the rest. But the first half of the game, Kawhi Leonard was pretty much a non-factor. It was, it was a lot of Pascal Siakam and uh, Marcus Gasol. Yeah, um, you didn't even see Boogie Cousins at all, and he went off in game two and was a big factor in why the Warriors won that game. They kept uh, him on the bench a lot. Like well, they were... he was with his like, ankle, and they put ice around it in like the locker room and stuff. But still, he was so non-existent, even from coming from his game two performance, that he, he should have been able to carry the load with Klay Thompson now. Yeah, kind of weird. But, yeah, I mean – it's pretty obvious that um, 
Kawhi Leonard is still a bit banged up from the Eastern Conference Finals when he um, suffered uh, a leg injury on one of his legs. But, yeah, he hasn't really done much. I mean, in game two, he put up like 30-plus points. But it's been the rest of his team that has been step stepping up. I mean, uh, that Van Wheat kid is something, dude. He can come in and he's a very great point guard. Uh, Gasol was absent in the game, too, mainly because uh, Cousins had a great game. But he came back strong in game three. Siakam has been playing a very good series. Um, is it Danny Green, right? Danny From- Green, yeah. Yeah, yep. he, uh, he came out last night. He put on a show. He ended up playing like he did when he was on the San Antonio Spurs when they were facing the Miami Heat those uh, two years. He was awesome. He was awesome. And he was part of that Kawhi Leonard deal that everyone kind of speculated that he was just a throwing piece, you know, just, just like to put the bow on it. But, man, he has been a great piece for Toronto. I am worried about the Warriors because Toronto, they have all the confidence. They are playing great ball right now. And in the past eight games, they're 6-1. and one. Or no, and in the past eight games, they're 6-2. and two. Sorry, but they still have What's the series right now? 2-1 Toronto. One. Toronto. Wow. So who's the favorite? Like still, Golden State, probably. Yeah. Golden State's the favorite, wow. but, but um, Vegas has made it um, even to take the series now after last night's performance. Damn. But even with I'm hoping Thompson coming back in the it. lineup, he's still going to have that – a hamstring is a big injury to have, especially for the NBA and, like, basketball. you got to be jumping all the time. You're running. Like, Thompson runs three miles, like, per game. So he's not going to be able to do that. He's going to be limited to a certain degree. and It's going to depend on how many minutes he plays. But I, I think this is Toronto's series, and it could – very well be done in the next two games. I could see it happening without 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 Kevin Durant. For the Warriors? No, for Toronto. For for them to win the for them to win the series. Yeah, for sure. I mean I think for sure the Warriors are backed up against back up backed up have their backs against the wall right now. Um who even knows if Clay Thompson is gonna come out and play a lot of minutes in game four or if they're just going to nurse him and put him on a put him on a you know limit him to so many minutes in that game, uh, I think he was I think he was active last night, but obviously they just didn't want to play him. Yeah, for longevity of the series. Yeah, uh, like I said, I think I don't think we'll see Kevin Durant for the rest of the series. But if it comes down to a game seven, they might put him in. Um, but I just think his injury is too significant for them to rush him back. Uh, but I could see him coming back for a game seven if it comes down to that. I'll touch I'll touch on the Kevin Durant stuff a bit later, but I do want to make another point. Steph Curry did have his career high for, like, his playoff career last night with 47 points. I mean, he, he still had an outstanding game, but the Warriors have to execute their game plan a bit more better to get the other guys going and scoring more points because most of the time they were double and triple teaming Steph and then the war- other Warriors players besides Draymond were trying to get the ball back to Steph. I mean, you just can't you just can't do it. You need the whole team to be scoring points. That's how Toronto has been winning these games. They just haven't been giving the ball to Kawhi and say, here you go, put up 40. Everyone's been putting up points. Like, all the starters for Toronto had 15-plus points yesterday, and even the bench guys had, like, 10-plus. Well, so- well, the difference is Toronto has shooters. It's not only Kawhi Leonard. Everybody can make a shot beyond the three-point line. Uh, for the Golden State Warriors, it's Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson. 
everybody else, I mean, they're not they're not great shooters. Well, game last night and Iguodala was kind of absent last night too and he can still put up some good numbers and be a great player for him yeah but I'm talking about shooters like pure shooters and they the, the Warriors don't have that as That's opposed true. to the Raptors the Raptors like I said anybody on the Raptors could take a three and and make it I mean Draymond's not a three-point shooter I think he airballed two threes last night uh Iguodala you know he'll knock him down once in a while but he's not consistent and everybody else is just you don't really see them taking that many three-point shots. Yeah, that's that is very true. And but, uh, another good thing about the Raptors too, they execute from the free throw line. Like when they get those fouls, they make those free throws that are very good. Yep. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting game 4 since KD is not in, but Klay Thompson is in. I think the Warriors could squeak it out, but once again, I bring up this factor. It could be the last game in Oracle where game five could be a closeout for the Raptors. Yeah, 100%. They, I mean, if they don't get this game, then it's going to be tough on the road. Um, so, yeah, the game four is – I mean, I think it's it's make or, make or break for the Warriors uh, game four. It definitely, it definitely is. Like, it's, the pressure's all on the Warriors right now because if, if Toronto wins game four and they go back – to Toronto in game five, I think it's a wrap. I, I think those players would be so excited to close out that series. But if it comes down to that, I think KD will be inserted back into the lineup. Now, I mentioned that KD has been out. He's missed all the games in the Western Conference Finals. He's missed all of the games so far in the NBA Finals dealing with that calf injury. Uh, it, people were saying that the Warriors didn't need K- Kevin Durant to win a title this year. Uh, Brandon, do you think otherwise now after seeing what has happened? I, I, I don't think they necessarily need Kevin Durant. They need other guys to step up like they have in the past. When the Warriors won against the, the Cavaliers, I think it was last year. Was it last year when they beat – I mean, LeBron James played them single-handedly. I mean, that, that wasn't much of a, a challenge for the Warriors. They didn't need these many playmakers. But the, 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 the Raptors are a different animal. But as long as they have shooters and guys can step up and play better defense, then I think the Warriors could still win the series without uh, Kevin Durant. See, I think they need – I need – I think they do need him because you have Klay Thompson and Steph Curry that are pure shooters, but they could have off nights like any time of the week. They have off nights more than like a pure score does. Kevin Durant is a pure score. Like – Why is – why is he out on uh... – they're saying it's a calf strain, but a calf strain, calf terror, something, something around that. But he's been out for the past three weeks now. Hmm. Seems like NBA players really <clears throat> have a tendency to hurt their their lower lower uh, extremities. Yeah, there, most of the calves and Achilles, constant jumping like a sprint. Uh, yeah. Well, like I'm saying, I think. Uh, Kevin Durant can put up 20 or 30 per night if you need him to. And he's a very good, like, first option to have on a team like Golden State. And you can play ISO ball with him. You can play, like, the movement ball with him. He's a great defender, too. So I think they would have needed him to win the NBA Finals. And if they, if they lose game four, he'll have to come back for game five. I think they'll have to push him back. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think game – I'm sorry, I'm watching the Yankee game. 
I think game five might be a little early, maybe in game six or game seven if they need the ramp, but we'll see. Now, if, if he comes back and actually swings the whole momentum to the Warriors and wins them the championship, do you think it's more likely that he stays if that happens? Uh, no. No, I, I still think either way he's, he's going to find himself another team next season. I just, I just, yeah, I just don't think the chemistry is right uh, with that whole team as uh, with the team as a whole. Um, as, 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 as you've, uh, as people have seen and as it's been reported throughout the season, there's been bumps on the road with the team and the chemistry and the leadership. So I, I see him parting ways after the season's over. I, I can see him that, but like the chance of him leaving, I mean, I think with him leaving would be like if the Warriors get like lose game five, they lose the title, right? Mm-hmm. or they end up winning the title without him. But if he comes back and becomes, like, a big, like, the NBA Finals MVP again, and uh, he puts up, like, 30 points a night and everyone just loves him in Golden State, I think it swings a little bit momentum in the Warriors' favor when it comes to free agency for him. That, I, I kind of agree with you. I think he's already gotten the idea of going to New York in his mind, whether that be with the Knicks or the Nets, I don't know. But I think he, that's his mindset. I think that's probably where you'll end up. Now, maybe the Clippers. The Clippers are a wild card team. You don't. You never know. But I still think it's going to come down to New York or Golden State, and I think he's leaning more on the New York side right now, even with this injury. I don't think. I don't think he'll go to an LA team. Uh, I think Kawhi will probably go to an LA team when the season's over. But Kevin Durant. He'll probably make his way out east to a New York team. Uh, I mean, Kyrie Irving, I think. I mean, the Nets are like – I think the Nets are his uh, his target right now. Um, yeah. But, but, and, and plus they're freeing up a lot of cap space to get a big offseason signing. So, But, yeah, Kevin Durant, I could see him going Knicks, Nets, one of the two. Actually, let's talk about that. So Stephen A. Smith reported on a special first take that Kyrie Irving uh, – Number one option is to go to Brooklyn to play with the Nets instead of the Knicks. And he's apparently trying to recruit Kevin Durant to go to the Nets instead of the Knicks. Uh, Brandon, what do you make of this story? I just think it's weird he'd want to go from the Celtics to the Nets um, and not the Knicks, even though the Knicks are going to get a very high draft pick. Um. I could see him going to the Nets. I mean, they're they're loaded with talent, and they definitely they need a couple key 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 more pieces to make a run to the NBA Finals. I mean, if Kyrie and somehow Kevin Durant go there, I could see them making a run for the finals. Yeah, I think I think uh, the Nets is a good team to go to. They're a young core roster, but we've already seen what happens with Kyrie if he's the A piece of that team. It just doesn't work out very well. And, like, the whole leadership and, like, all the other team members, coaches get all jumbled up. So we've already seen that mess. Why not go to the Knicks where you're going to have another superstar? We don't know if the Nets are going to get another superstar besides Kyrie Irving. And it's been proven that Kyrie Irving is more of a Robin to somebody's Batman. So Mm -hmm. why not do that with Kevin Durant and the Knicks if Kevin Durant decides to go to the Knicks? Yeah, I don't think he championship with the Nets, but by being the alpha dog, I think he's got to be paired up with somebody. 
Yeah, 100%. They, they, he's not the centerpiece. He's definitely that extra piece that a team would need. Um, just like when he played with LeBron. LeBron was the centerpiece, and he was, like you said, he was the Robin. And yeah, you've they, they played, yeah, they played very well together. So, I mean, <clears throat> Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, I think that'd be an awesome, an awesome duo. Now, I believe – I still believe this, that if Kyrie Irving doesn't get hurt last year, I think they put up six or seven games against the Warriors in the finals. I think they would have won the East and they would have given Golden State a real challenge in the NBA finals. You think but so? Under, I think – I thought so, yeah. I really did. Because the way – Kyrie Irving was balling last year and then he had that ankle injury that put him out. And the, the rest of the team, they didn't get their egos so – they, they were key role players. I thought they would have done a really great job. They would have easily beaten Cleveland, and I think they would have matched up with Golden State pretty darn well last year and gave them like a five, six, seven-game run instead of the sweep that we got. But that's just my opinion. A- anyway, I still think the Knicks are a better option than the Nets. Yeah, so do I. I mean, <laughs> I, I, mean I, I would definitely rather go to the Knicks. I'd rather be in – in that part of New York, but I mean, to each his own. I don't know why he wants to go to to Brooklyn at all places, unless he has roots in Brooklyn. I think he might be from Brooklyn. Kyrie? Uh, no, Kyrie's from New, he's from New Jersey. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe somebody's on that side and that organization talking to him. I mean, who knows? Maybe he was a key fan into the um the Jason Kidd days of the Brooklyn or the New Jersey Nets. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah, maybe he wants to bring him back to New Jersey. Oh, God, no. Don't do that. <laughs> All right, well, we'll go from one championship series to another, the Stanley Cup, which has been back and forth. All the uh, four games, the Blues and the Bruins have split each one of them. This is, the, this is the fifth time this has happened in 60 years. Game five is tonight, so by the time you hear this, there will be a game five winner. Uh, the winner of Game 5 wins the Stanley Cup 78% of the, ch- of the time. So Dana Chara, who took a puck to the jaw and got his jaw broken, is actually active for Game 5. It's going to depend on, you know, how many minutes he plays and, like, what his role is going to be. Anthony, what do you think of the Stanley Cup so far? And what do you think Dana Chara's role is going to be going forward? First three – what are we on now? Game 5 tonight? Game 5, 2-2. Two, two. Two two, I should say. First even series, and it makes perfect sense because it's been an even series. Like offensively, defensively, goaltending, coaching, you name it. This is probably one of the best Stanley Cups I've seen. Um every Stanley Cup every Stanley Cup it was really exciting. But this is one of the most physical old time, old school hockey uh Stanley Cups that I've seen in a long time. Um, just straight out the gate, not even period one or uh, period two, game one, game two, game three, just hitting hard as they can down the ice, open ice. They don't care. Tory Krug sacrificing his body. It's Dan O'Char get hit with the puck off of the stick, breaking his jaw, comes out like five minutes later. And did they wire his jaw shut? I think they did or something. He can't talk. He can't talk. He's got a wired jaw. He's like 40, wired jaw, and he's playing in the Stanley Cup. How is this guy going to breathe? And he's old, and he's older, too, and he's bigger, so he needs more air. Um, just unbelievable. 
great series so far. Uh, Ryan, Ryan O'Reilly is a hell of a player. I love watching him play. Tarasenko's got skill. But then the Bruins, man, Charlie Coyle's really showing up. Guy from Minnesota Wild. Um, it's a native, I think, or Massachusetts. And uh, it's just been really good. The only game I didn't like was game four. When we were at your house, Wes, on Saturday, there was was it game? Maybe it was, it was game game three. game three. Yeah, it was, it was in. Okay, all right. Well, game game three, that was like the most. Yeah, game three. That was the most embarrassing performance I've ever seen. They pulled Jordan Bennington. He let up like four goals in the first or this whatever it was, and. Uh, I mean, I don't even know what they're doing. They they didn't look like they wanted to be there kind of thing. I guess they were maybe tired or beat up, need some more rest. But bad, uh, penalties. bad penalties too, yeah. You cannot let Boston go on the power play because they will capitalize. But good series so far. My favorite part about it is the old-time hockey, and now I'm hoping the Blues will take it. We got a game tonight about to start in a couple minutes. Can't wait to see um, the score of tonight's game. All right, a uh, couple things I want to say. Uh, first of all, this series has been good. Besides, besides Game 3, this series has been really, really good. Hands down. I, I would debate last year's Cup because, you know, my Cavs won that. <laughs> yeah, we still champs still. All right? Not until somebody wins, the Capitals are still the yeah. champ. couple days, buddy, that couple be out of D.C., so it's go scratch. Anyways, I think the – Go scratch. Beside, you know, even that factor in that game three, I still think the Blues have been playing the best hockey when it comes to five on five. I mean, who thought they were even going to be in the cup, right? Yeah. They so have now we're at this point. All over checking. They have been good with their stick. They have been good for checking. They've been doing really well in the neutral ice. And they get they keep them in the offensive zone. Only way Boston has done well is when they're on the power play. The Blues have taken way too many penalties. That has factored into what they do. So I think uh, be calling out the officials in Game Three in the post game, you know, it might have swing swing the series because there was not really that many uh, ticky tack calls in uh, Game Four. So Game Five will be very interesting to see how the officiating goes. Um, I will take. The Blues to win game five. I think this one's going seven. Uh, I... Seven games all over it. But I think the Blues win tonight in a very physical, close game. Now, it's going to depend on how Char is. Are they going to put him on the penalty kill? Because he's a big-time penalty killer. He's going to show up. He, he's going to show up. I mean... Oh, yeah, but, like, when it comes to talking as a defenseman, communication is very key. You know that. Right, right. I think Boston's so well-established that they already know where to be on the ice. Um, and he, although he's the captain, I I just think that Boston's going to be able to pull out. And it's going to go game seven. I really want to see the Blues win. But Boston is still going to hit hard because they're, uh, they're a smart team. I mean, like you said, Blues have been taking a lot of penalties. They can't do that. You can't they do that. They game four, and that's why they won that. Exactly. And – and, like, Blues are playing great hockey, and I think if they didn't take as many penalties and they were solid all around, which they've been, but if they can keep their composure and not take stupid penalties, this series could easily be 3-1. Because if you want my honest opinion, the Blues are the better team. The Blues are the better team because 
I mean, Boston's really physical too. But I think Boston's top line like, hasn't showed up at all. They've gone absent. And puck cycling wise, I think the Blues have been doing a little bit better. What it comes down to winning a Stanley Cup is discipline, smarts, and sacrificing the body. The team that sacrifices the body on the power, on the penalty kill and even whenever is a team that will win. So we'll have to see what happens. I think Blues win game five tonight, but the Bruins win game six on Sunday, and we'll go back to Boston game seven. And it's going to be a dogfight. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big I'm expecting like a low-scoring affair. Well, Tuka Rask and Jordan Bennington. The defense was just letting everything go. Tuka, those guys have been awesome. And Tuka Rask has been playing really, really, really good. I think almost better than Bennington. He's been playing really solid. Besides when they've been beating him on his, um, I don't know if it was Glover blocker side, but he gets beat pretty often on one of them. I think it's his Bennington is blocker. He's allowed a bunch of five hole uh, goals in this uh, series, but yeah. uh, was on the blocker side. He's had a lot up to on this blocker side. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. Definitely, I think the key factor is the penalty box. Who's in it, and like, if if anyone's in it in general. I think it's nice. It's nice to also see on the on the Boston side that you know guys like Tory Krug and especially David Backus, they're showing up. Um, big time in the physicality department. I mean, Tory Krug's a small dude, and David Backus is a little bit over. Both American guys come with grit. I mean, that's a good thing about these American guys. Not saying that you know Swedish, Finland, or any of these Russians aren't as physical, but in America, I guess we tend to be a little bit more, you know, macho like that. So well, there's it's a good to see guys. that them, and they're bigger too, right? A little bit, yeah. Exactly, compared to like a Swedish player, you know, something like that. But um, not all the case, not in every case, but for the most part, America tends to build brick walls as players. Um, And let these guys play too when it comes to officiating. Just let them play. Don't be like how the the other playoff series have been, where it's like, oh, there's that one tacky call that they make that decides the game. No, let. From here on out, just let them play. Until and it's like very obvious. I think that's what they're doing too. I really like this series because they are letting them play. They're they're not really kind of getting in their. It was kind of iffy, but I I agree with you. But they're letting them kind of like you know rough it out after the whistle, and they're letting them play old time hockey, which is really yeah. exciting. And it needs to be in the game. Um, we can't have this soft play where no guys, you know, we're back. They're back checking. And then right before when they, they dump the puck around the boards or something, they cycle back around. They don't finish their check. Why would you even skate down there? To pressure? You know how easy it is just to dump the puck across the boards and set it up ice? In the matter of like a second and a half, the puck is behind the goal line all the way to the blue line by a winger. Now you yeah. have to – the winger, whoever is down there, has to skate all the way back up, and now they miss the play. Like if you're going to skate all the way down there, finish your check, Lay the body. You're not going to get a penalty. Just don't board the player if you see numbers on the back. And don't do something stupid. Don't throw an elbow to a, to a helmet. You don't need to do that stuff. You can rough him up with a solid shoulder-to-shoulder hit, just like Tory Crew did in open ice. It wasn't a charging. It was just a solid, solid hit. 
Game five is tonight, and by the time you hear this, the game five will already been decided. So game six will be on Sunday. Make sure you watch that. It's on NBC. Uh, during game four, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers made some news. They acquired Kevin Hayes, who was traded to Winnipeg uh, earlier this year when he was a New York Ranger. Um, he's probably on a one-year deal. I'm not quite sure, but the Flyers do need to renegotiate a long-term deal if they want to keep him. Uh, Ant, what do you make of the centerman Kevin Hayes joining the Philadelphia Flyers squad? don't like it. I don't like it. You don't like it? Why? He's a solid player. No, I don't like it. He's ass. <laughs> and that <laughs> answers that question. <laughs> no, but seriously, just go in depth with it. Or just not saying 2010, and he's got 229 points. Like, that's ass. And he's just goofy, and I, I, just, I just flyer like it takes a special personality to be a Philadelphia Flyer. Not you know, anymore for all time hockey, and not anymore because the game is getting softer, and general manager makes stupid moves. Like we're gonna get rid rid of uh, Wayne Simmons. Like he's been doing good. Why would you? He's good, and he's playing good. You get rid of them because of obviously paying whatever they want to do. And, like, he, he Kevin Hayes was a ranger, and I don't know, man. I just don't like him. I, I don't care he's 6'5", like 220 pounds, but he's just – I don't know. He's just goofy. And I don't – I don't like, as far as playing goes, you know, it's Flyers hockey. I want to see Flyers hockey, especially being a big-time Flyers fan. You know, I don't want to bring any soft players on the team. You know, I've, there's guys I would want to take and be a guy like Tor- Tory Krug. Or, uh, you know, I wouldn't want these ran- – I don't know. I don't even call him random. He's the first-round pick, but – Is it because he was a Ranger? No, I just don't – dude, I don't know. I just don't like his, his style of player or something. I, I don't know. There's something about him he just don't like. I just don't think he's going to be a good fit on the Flyers. You know, it's just one of those things. Like, you, I have a feeling like – <clears throat> that, you know, some players fit really good with teams and some don't. He just doesn't look like a Philadelphia Flyer player. Yeah, I mean, you can make that argument. That's like, but... that's like bringing, like, Ovechkin to the Flyers. It just doesn't look right. You know what I'm saying? Like, a Tom Wilson probably be a good fit because he's, he's rugged and he's tough. But, like, even Ovechkin's tough, but Ovechkin is a capital. I don't know. This is just me. Just me. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see going forward. I think Kevin Hayes would be great for that team. He he would have to be a top two center iceman though. But has to be or is? Has to be. Oh yeah, we need talent for sure. So he he has to play solid. Is Couturier a free agent? By the way, I'm honestly not sure. I haven't heard anything. But as far as like drafted in 2010, first round pick. Has th- almost three. Well, has about three hundred eighty games played, two hundred twenty nine points. That's really not that much for being in the league for like nine seasons. Yeah, but like he was on a Rangers team that just didn't have anything. But he's just not really producing. Like here, are the first. It's kind of hard when you don't have the talent around you. I mean, they traded away um, Zuccarello or whatever his name was. Well, it looks here that he's only played – he started in 2014. He got drafted by Chicago in 2010. So maybe he was playing for the minors until 2014. 
and he yeah. had 45 points, 36, 49. So it looks <laughs> like he is producing. And he, he is really a, he's a producer. Penalties. He's a solid center, centerman. So he's got the size for it too. Yeah, and with the and with the Flyers with all those young guys, I think you still need something because, like, I think that's what the Flyers are trying to go. They're trying to be young, so they are. They have a lot of young players. Yeah, but they so you kind of need a leader who's kind of been there that can get it done consistently. And I think Ke- Kevin Hayes has been a pretty solid piece this year when it comes to acquisitions and stuff. Took him a while to get used to Winnipeg, but that's fitting in the new team. So new team, yeah. So that was one year. Yeah, we'll but, see uh, how it goes. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens. Just not the biggest fan. I'd rather get somebody else, but we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. Uh, so let's go to the NFL really quick. Uh, mandatory mini camps were underway this week. Uh, before that, though, Gerald McCoy, who was cut by the Buccaneers, actually stayed in the NFC South. He stayed in the same division, signed with the Panthers for one year, $8 million deal. Brandon, what do you think about this signing? Uh, yeah, great move by the Panthers. They, uh, they're they light on their defensive line, and they definitely need a guy like him uh, yeah, for, they a bull, do. for the bull rush. Um, so, yeah, great move by the Panthers. I'm glad he's staying in his division. So I think he'll uh, he'll turn out okay, and I'm sure after the year they'll re-sign him to a bigger contract. Yeah, what do you think about the move? Same. Same. He came from, came from Tampa? Yeah. I mean – Panthers could use a little bit more of the defensive line there. He's a big dude. So, uh, first-round pick as well. Come in at Oklahoma. They produce some pretty good players. Yeah, six-time um, pro bowler. Yeah. He's he's not that old. He's like early, early, early 30s. So, I mean, this is definitely good for Carolina. Yeah, especially in that division where they need bull rush against New Orleans and – you know, Atlanta with Matt Ryan. You know, right, it's not I, that far away from the Super Bowl. Can't see it being a bad uh, bad decision. I think Carolina just needs receivers now. I mean, they're, they're hurting for receivers, Carolina. They had some good receivers. I mean, they have Chris Hogan now. They, had, they have Ted Ginn Jr. He's older. They had Steve Smith. They don't have him anymore. But they pretty much just have – um. Just Chris Hogan and um, Torrey Smith, Curtis, <clears throat> Curtis Samuel. He's really, really good. Uh, the Maryland kid from last year's draft. Mm. The first pick, the uh, wide receiver. Uh, Who's that? DJ Moore? DJ, yeah. Your two guys from, from wide receivers kind of bloom. Who's that you're talking about? Um, DJ Moore. I mean, Calvin Ridley did it with the Falcons. Well, Curtis Samuel's on there too. Yeah, he's really good. So Calvin Ridley did fine. Calvin Ridley did fine with the Falcons. I mean, the Fal- he just didn't get enough targets. Well, I'm saying his second year he blossomed more. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But, yeah, I mean, I, I had him on my fantasy team. He did fine. I think he would have been a. I mean, he would have been a star receiver if uh, they didn't have um, Sanu and. Uh, Jones. Yeah, that's true. All right, we shift the football into the boxing. Actually, no, I got to mention Carson Wentz signed a four-year $128 million extension. Uh, He's going to be in Philly for a while now, and it's proven that the Eagles organization was a Carson Wentz believer all along over Nick Foles. Uh, Reactions to that really quick. 
not surprising. Uh, it's a move that definitely had to be made by them, especially now that Nick Foles is gone. I mean, this is their franchise guy. Uh, Carson Wentz will probably retire in Eagle. That's the way I see it going. I mean, four years, $107 million. Good chunk of change. You better be doing something good for the Eagles again. Yeah, it's As good that they did this now. With his knees. I mean, dude, I – I don't know, like, I think these general managers need some type of, like, education on players with injuries. Because after a player has an injury, most of them don't come back and are able to play at this high level. Like, if you're a recreational player, you know, you're probably fine. You're probably going to light up. You're really strong after a surgery. Because they they literally go in there and they repair and then reinforce it. So it's almost stronger than your other limb that hasn't been injured. But in the NFL, it's so brutal that you, how many guys do you see besides like Adrian Peterson who comes back, he can break records, but most of them, they can maybe get a season or two out of it. And then they're out like Gronkowski, for example. I mean, he's just a big dude. So he gets hurt more, but they pay these guys all this money for what you're literally taking a big gamble after somebody that's had has an injury, hoping that they're gonna produce, well, that can happen with anybody too. But well, say he comes players. back though and has like a career year this year, then you would have to owe him more money. So it's kind of smart to get this extension out of the way before like he blossoms into like a Patrick Mahomes. You never know. So like, yeah. if he blossomed into that, he would have asked for way more. But I mean, four years, one hundred twenty-eight with the amount of money that's going around, that seems kind of low to me. But, you know, for Carson Wentz, that's still pretty good. And that's good for the Eagles organization that they still have spending money to go get more players. Right. So that's it. The NFL will have more as, you know, we'll have previews around July, August. And the season's right around the corner. It's about 95 days away. Can't wait. Oh, there's also, also talks again about the, uh, extending it to an 18-game season and getting rid of the four preseason games. Do you guys think yeah, that'll happen? I think preseason is good. It gives a, I mean, preseason is only good if you're using it the right way. I think a lot of teams go out there and they're like, let's just throw our starters in, whatever. Like that – I mean, not our starters, our third stringers, second stringers – like, that's kind of a waste of time. That's good to give them time. But then, like, have these second, third stringer guys, like, play their own games during the practice during the week or something so that they can get time. But, like, you know, wasting it during preseason, I don't think that's the smartest thing to do. But 18 games in the NFL, I think, it's, I think 16 is good right now. I think, I think that's good. I think 18 may be a little too much. Because then you got playoffs, and then it runs past. All the starters are going to be beat up by the time playoffs come around. If what if they do? If they work if during they preseason, do 18, if they do eighteen, or are they games? Going, it's a lot of games, man, for NFL. Yeah, I think is I, perfect. I'm a fan of the eighteen game season. I hate. I personally hate preseason. I think it's a waste of time. I think if they eliminate Thursday night games. And they just do Saturday and Monday games. I think they'll be fine. I mean, eighteen games isn't that long. I mean, not every team makes playoffs. If you make playoffs, you go a few weeks longer. Yeah, but I mean, those, you're get, uh, those teams I mean, are like so yeah. like tired. The injury report would be like a whole entire page and a half. 
Yeah, yeah. it could just take those two games for everybody to get injured. I agree. I think I you know. just do. I think you just do three preseason games. Like the Broncos have five this year because of the Hall of Fame game. I think you just do three for each team. I think they should just eliminate preseason and totally. And then I think, I think just I think eliminate should, preseason totally. Keep preseason, but utilize it the right way. You know, play real games. If it you wasn't have, for preseason, the Broncos would have never found Philip Lindsay, and they would have just cut him. And yeah, he but this is why like a runner-up rookie. Yeah, but this is why you have mini camps and you have OTAs and you have – I mean, you have teams. Exactly. You have seven show on up. sevens. Yeah, I mean – Show up during these, mini camp these, and OTA. These guys fight for roster spots until the day the season starts. Preseason really doesn't prove much of anything. These and guys Wes, that should, play their asses off preseason still you get You should cut. know this, Wes. I you do know this fucking boy. know this. Hold up. Because, hold up. Let me make my point. OTA – All right, go ahead. Whatever. Let me make my point. You can be very well in co- – in, uh, in practice against A and B, but what are you going to do in like a little live game where like something is completely different and it's not the same thing every single time? Depends how they're practicing. Some some organizations, but, their but practice, practice tactics are almost harder in practice than it comes game. But if As you practice against like the coaches, same off, if you practice against the same offense, you probably start seeing cues. You start hearing things that you know. I did this in practice in Bloomsburg. You start picking so, up cues of what what like your guard is doing. Throw it again. Throw a different team in there so that way it's a little different environment and see if he. So improves. explain then why some of these teams are so good. Why are some teams so good? It's more than just showing up to practice for two hours every day. It's what they do off on their own time. I'm sure Tom Brady does a lot of work on his own to get himself right. And if everybody does that all together, man, you have a championship team every single year. And then the coaches staff, coaching staff has to be on point. The strength conditioning, the athletic, everybody has to be on point. Everybody has to put in the extra work. And a lot of coaches say practice has to be hard in order for the games to be easy. And that's never been more true. You know. But you got to show, show up in, in the, the games, games man. Too. You can't just have the difference. The games. difference is, though, some guys practice really great and don't play. Some great, don't. And don't play. And then they don't play great in games. And some guys play great in games. And they don't practice well. But so, look I at mean, Don Don Sue. Like he was like jerking off during practice. And he you're was, talking about a starter. Yeah, man. but I'm, I'm talking about I like role care. players that just come out of nowhere. I don't care though. Become, he's, no, you should. It doesn't care. matter. He still <laughs> he still should be practicing 100. percent And he's like, did you remember? You guys remember that one when he was like messing around in practice? In practice, and then he goes out and he was like killing it. Like, you shouldn't be – like, that's like Tom Brady going out there, like, screwing around. Like, this guy takes things seriously. Yeah, but Nadama Kinsu is not a leader. We know he's not a leader. He's just – he's a yeah, role Yeah, that's player. a good point. That's I mean, a good he, point. he's not a leader. No guys want to look up to that guy. But uh, the way I see preseason, just my opinion, is it's like, it's like watching a college game. You're getting young name, nobody's trying to make a team. And some guys go hard and some guys don't. I mean, that's just the nature of it. So if you eliminate it and let these guys prove themselves in practices – and seven on sevens, eleven on elevens. I mean, I, I don't see a problem extending the season two extra games. Expand the rosters, make the rosters bigger, so different guys get chances to play. Here's my. I mean, we can we can talk about this a different time because we still got a lot of stuff to go through. And we we're about here's like my five minutes thoughts. right now. But and, like ahead. one last <laughs> sentence, one last sentence. Go ahead, boy. One last sentence because we'll ahead, talk, talk about this when the preseason comes. But gee, talk, I'm talking. Talk. I like talking. All right, we'll get to the preseason. Still 90 days away. 
Anyway, I want to shift the box because this was kind of a shocker. Boxing. So, Andy Ruiz Jr. knocked out Anthony Joshua in the seventh round of MSG, becoming the new heavyweight champion. This was supposed to be a fill-in fight for Anthony Joshua, and Anthony Joshua came in looking gassed. This shakes up the whole entire heavyweight division. Andy Ruiz Jr. is on top. He was a big-time amateur boxer, and he's been boxing since he was like six years old, he says. So, Brandon, you saw the fight. What do you think was the turning point, and why is Andy Ruiz uh, a Don't forget, champion? Andy Ruiz now holds four belts, so this isn't his first. Uh, Andy Ruiz now gives your average guy with a beer belly the hopes that he could one day be a champion if he's trained properly. Dude, he should have fought with a T-shirt exactly. on. Exactly. Was he perfect. took his picture with his belts and his Knicks jersey. So there you go. There you go, Wes. He's a Knicks fan. <laughs> So you know, man, yeah. for Andy Ruiz, uh, shame on Anthony Joshua for showing up. He wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't want to be there. He wasn't trained well. He wasn't conditioned. He was gassed. He got knocked down three or four times, and he got knocked out in the seventh round. He spit his mouthpiece out and didn't want to keep fighting. So good for Andy Ruiz, man, making a name for himself. And you know, now he's got another belt under his name, and he took down Anthony Joshua. Even though I would have liked to see Joshua Wilder, uh, that ain't gonna happen now. But I think it's uh, it's good now. Now Joshua's got to go back to the drawing board. Anthony, what do you think about a guy that looks like he just ate cheeseburgers and <laughs> hot Snickers, dogs? All week is now Snickers, Snickers and steak before he fights. That's his. That's his thing. I mean, a lot like hey, Brandon hey. said, he just showed up, and uh, you know. It was, it was just exciting to see that somebody who is so unathletic looking could, you know, just knock him out like that. He didn't knock him out like a clean knockout, but, you know, he was really feeling it as he stood back up. He was getting dizzy, and he just tapped out, right, after at the end there. So it, it's just – it's like watching Phil Kessel play. The guy eats, like, hot dogs every day, I think, but yet he's super quick on his skates and could score goals, so – I did really. I don't have answers for it, but uh, it's just exciting to see. Well, that's the great thing about the heavyweight division. These guys are so strong and powerful. I mean, one punch or you know, one punch you can knock knock you out at any given moment of the fight. Right. Well, this opens up the heavyweight division. You know, you got Ruiz in there now. You got Joshua. You got Wilder. You got Tyson Fury wanting to rematch with Wilder again. He he's still a big I think time Wilder's fighter. The best in that division, but you down. know, yeah, he's the best puncher. I wouldn't say he's like the best like pure boxer, but he he like if well, he gets a hold of you and he gets one that one punch on you, you're you're yeah, out. I mean, like, he's goodbye. definitely the strongest. I mean, he's got the best. He's got the best hand speed but, and he's got the most power. But I think Ruiz has like the ability to get to keep getting those hits and keep going. You know, Tyson Fury was kind of just like a he's he's kind of a goofy kind of looking fighter. Like his he'll be like getting hit, but then he'll just like be like sloppy the rest of the fight. And you know, when when him and Wilder went up, like both of them got knocked down pretty much and uh, a couple times. But you know. Back to Ruiz. I mean, this opens it up, and he's a he's very cardio or cardiovascular. He's very well in shape, even though the body doesn't look like it. Uh, yeah, you're right. He knocked down Joshua three times. Joshua just looked like he did yeah. not want to fight at all. But 
in Joshua's credit, he came up to him at the end of the fight and acted like a true, you know, professional athlete, saying, "Yeah, here's your new champion. Congratulations to him. Sure. The moment's yours." Like, As he should have, because great. he is the champion and people look up to him. I mean, he acted he acted accordingly. But now I don't. I think it dims down the Joshua Wilder fight if we ever get it. I don't think we will. Now I, I don't think we will. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we will. I think. Ty- uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder will fight again, and then Wilder will fight uh, Ruiz for you know yep. the heavyweight championship. But yeah, Ruiz has got four titles, man. He's a true fighter. Yeah, you can't I like take him lightly, <laughs> and I think Joshua did. Yeah, he's he was on Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel the other night. All right, uh, some quick stories I just wanted to go through before we hit our last one. Um, the French Open in tennis tomorrow. Uh, the true classic, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal takes center stage. Guys, I will you be, be watching, watching that or no? Federer wins. Probably not either, but agreed. I think Nadal wins because it's on clay. He's a very dominant clay um, player when it comes to tennis. But, yeah, I won't be watching it either. But still, still a great matchup. It's been like the millennium matchup for tennis, Federer versus Nadal. Uh, in soccer, Liverpool defeated Tottenham, the Spurs, to win the UEFA Champions League. And another uh, soccer news, the Women's World Cup is underway in France tomorrow when France takes on South Korea. USA are the favorites to repeat again. Guys, do you think 100%. they will? 100%. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I mean, they're playing good soccer. Yeah, they they very much are, but France and England could give them a scare. Um, one more <laughs> quick topic. <laughs> what? What's so funny? No, nothing. Nothing. What? Nothing. What? Ahead, what? My, what? You don't like my reaction, boy? Oh, 100%? I thought your reaction was good. Like I don't follow good. soccer. Listen, Dude, boy. your reaction was good. I just listen, boy. Listen, boy. We'll go one on one. I'm just laughing at the uh, the, the uh, you know, TV show here. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, no, yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right, last uh, last story before Anthony goes into Woo-hoo! Pocono. Uh, oh, Craig Christ. Kimball signs with the uh, Kimball signs with the Cubs a three years, forty three million dollar deal um, to be their closer. The club, the Cubs are down in the bottom slumps when it comes to their bullpen. They have blown eleven leads this year. That's the second most in the MLB. Um, this guy is like the weird-looking pitcher with his stance. He looks like a bird. Uh, got You remember these guys? I mean, Kimbrell was on the Red Sox last year for their World Series, and he's had 110 strikeouts, which leads closers since 2010. Uh, does this guy – So is this a big impact move? Does this guy pitch sidearm? Uh, no, but he's, he's the ginger beard-looking guy. That does the weird stance. He was on the Red Sox last year. I don't either, yeah. If you look up a picture of him, you'll know who he is. Well, I mean, if he's he's any good, sure, it's a great move for the Cubs and how depleted they are in their bullpen. Yeah, eleven blown eleven leads. You can't do that in the NL, especially with the Dodgers playing very well. Dodgers are killing it. But, yeah, I'm sure. After getting getting rid of Yasiel Puig. Yeah, I think Kate, uh, Craig Grim, uh, Kimbrell, whatever the F this guy's name is, 
he's a good addition to the bullpen for the Cubs. They really need it, especially with a hard NL when it comes to the end of the year. Probably throw him in the minors for like the summer and then let him come out in like September, October. All right, Ant, floor is yours. Go, go Pocono. Right. Uh, before I go to Pocono, a couple things. Um, Terrell Pryor signs with the Jaguars. We said that. My question is the U.S. is, as far as this um, series goes, who do you think is like the X Factor player so far on Tarasenko. both teams? Just one player on each team, and and why? Tarasenko. Okay. He he's on the power play. He's been uh, playing pretty good and physical. I would say Patrick uh, Patrice Maroon for the Blues too. Um, this is going non goaltender, by the way. Just I think one one. No goaltender, one player could be offense or defense. Go. But yeah, I'm going Tarasenko with the Blues. He's okay. just a really cool scorer. Um, he's he's come along the last uh, three or four games. Uh, for the Bruins, I think uh, that's a hard one because like not really the top two lines have not shown up at all. But I think it honestly is, you know, probably Krug. Or um no, I, I scratched that. It's gotta be McAvoy. But McAvoy. yeah, I mean the whole entire Bruins team step up, especially the fourth line. I yeah. mean the, the fourth, fourth line guys are supposed to work. <laughs> yeah. So like Seriously. where the heck is the team? Like those are the X factor, the top three lines if you want one. Right. They gotta show up. So it's between Ryan O'Reilly and Braden Shen, probably go with Braden Shen. And for Boston, it's uh, Charlie Coyle or uh, Coyle's a McAvoy. Option. Probably going Charlie Coyle. I think he has like four playoff goals so far. Yeah, yeah, he's been so pretty he, so far. He's the one that's been showing up. Ryan O'Reilly, as far as just being an overall great player, his training routine is just absolutely ridiculous. He does like almost gymnastics, tons of stability, tons of hand-eye coordination stuff. Um He's just an amazing player. I, I I knew he was always good, but being on the Sabres, it was tough to see how good he really was. And now he's on the Blues, kind of brought this team. But then Braden Shen, too, coming from the fly, ex-Flyer. Not just because he was ex-Flyer, but he really showed up this series. He's an ex-Flyer. No, he really showed up this series. Just overall, good player overall. Playoff run. Yeah. So, And then um, one thing I had to say – as well, and I forgot what it was, and it was important. I can't hey, remember. Can the next podcast. Yeah, I can't remember. All right. We were at Pocono. Pocono 400. Go ahead, Wes. Start us off. If you haven't seen on our Facebook, we did live coverage of it. Um, it was a good thing that Mother Nature missed us because it was supposed to storm during the race. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, yeah, no, sorry, boys, didn't see it. Um, <laughs> yeah, guy doesn't like NASCAR, I guess. Satellite went out on the trailer, couldn't see it. Yeah, sorry. Right. Go ahead, talk about your experience and race if you wanted to. All right, so Pocono 400, um, first time going to NASCAR race, thanks, thanks to you, Wes, and your dad. It was a great time, really had a lot of fun, got a really trailer tan, um, and you could see it really bad. I'm sure yours is even worse. You had some, bad. you it's had multiple now. people making fun of you as we were leaving the friggin' race. Um, <laughs> that was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, man, the, the race was uh was awesome. 
Um, expected, like always, Kyle Bush takes the win. Um, your dad had William Byer on there to win. He clocked in along with Truex at like 176, 175 miles per hour at, at the pre-race there. So, obviously, those guys are probably the ones that were going to be leading first or uh, be the top five, I want to say. But it was Kyle Busch. Then I forgot who came in second. And then I think it was Chase Elliott who came in third, right? And then uh, – uh, came in second. Or no. Who did? To number 20, I think, his car. Oh, 20 did? I think. Who drives a 20 now? Um, there's, I, I man, there's like 50 racers. 50 drivers, sorry. 57 on that day. 57? 37. Oh, 37. Oh, excuse me. Here we go. Top five. Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, number two. Yeah. Um, Eric Jones is number 20. Chase Elliott, your dad's guy right there, number nine. And Clint Boer, number 14. But um, William Byron didn't even place top five. That was surprising because the first 20 laps, he was pretty much leading. And uh, obviously, there he goes. Kyle Busch leading, you know, coming back up. Austin Dillon crashed on lap 20. That was crazy. Like, you showed up pretty much for nothing. And then what else did we have? We had all our, like, little uh, Martin Truex blew his engine. I was pretty pissed about that. And what else did we have? We had a couple other crashes, right? Like, my ones. In the pits. David Reagan. This guy spent more time in the pit than he did on the actual track. Every single, like, three laps he was in the pit. I've no Like, changing tires or – I think the guy was using Cooper tires, but – it was a good race, but obviously Kyle Busch won. The guy has 206 career wins, I think, and uh, no surprise there. Pretty happy. People at the stadium were pissed off about it. I guess they really don't like him, but there was a he lot of free straight at Pocono. Um, no, Martin Truex was the last one to win. I know. Kyle Busch has won three straight races. Oh, that you were just at talking Pocono. three straight in general. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was exciting. Kyle Busch was really just owning that track, though, at some point, and William Byron was too. They were lapping the last the, the racers in the back, number twenty seven and fifty five, whoever that was. Um, but yeah, it was a good race. It was exciting. I wish it was a little bit more exciting, but it was still good. And uh, yeah, I mean, Wes, what'd you think? It was a good race. Um... A lot of sport leagues need to take note of how NASCAR does their events, man. Dude, yes. You yes. They do it out. right. You can bring a cooler in. You can go back out and then come back in. Re-entry. Like, serious. I, do re-entry, guys. Like, I just want to talk about, besides just that, too, like what NASCAR does. You know, they really support the veterans and the military. They had, like, paratroopers jump in. The stadium, they had a cannon, national anthem, a prayer. Like, besides hockey, honestly, it does a lot of stuff with their with their media and all their music. Like, no other sport kind of does that. And baseball, they got the seventh inning stretch. I mean, I guess they just want to keep to their sport. But NASCAR, like, it's going to sound stupid, but it's it's pretty entertaining, like the pre-race. And, I mean, I like it. I think it's cool. I think they do a lot. They put a lot of effort into it. Yeah, man. I mean, bring in, bring in your freaking cooler and bring in whatever you want, like snacks, drinks. Yeah, re-entry with your cooler. Like, no other place can do that. Re-entry you with your – like, it's easy. 
Could you imagine Yankee Stadium saying, oh, yeah, you can re-enter with anything you want? Dude, <laughs> yeah, dude you right? can't even bring your shoes in anymore. You got to leave your shoes and shirt outside in, in the parking <laughs> lot. Or at the bar. Or at the bar, yeah. Keep all your clothes there. You can only wear underwear. Sorry. <laughs> but, all right. Well, that is all the time we have for today. We thank you for joining us. And if you have any suggestions for us going forward, give us a message, leave us a comment, uh, give us a shout out, keep sharing this. We're trying to reach Wes. out to as many people as we can. What? Whoa, whoa. Calm it down there. I didn't get to finish my NASCAR. You did finish your NASCAR. You no, paused. This Sunday, 2 p.m., we got the NASCAR series at Michigan International Speedway. With the defending champion Clint Boyer, two hundred laps, track lane, two miles. It's another trioval, just like Pocono. Uh, I don't know who's going to win this, but yeah, that's that. All right, before I was rudely interrupted, uh, come on, boy, we got to finish. <laughs> that was. This is all the time we have for today. Uh, you can listen to, listen to this podcast on Spotify and on Anchor. So thank you for joining us. If you have any suggestions. For us going forward, give us a message, leave us a comment, share this. We're trying to get out as much people as we can. Um, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at BroBench. Uh, we keep up to date with the latest headlines from all over the sports. Um, you'll get probably like three to four updates a day. So um, we are also we're also trying to get Instagram available. I'm trying to make that happen. Get a little sound bites from here and there. So again. Thank you for listening. Brandon, any last thoughts before Ant just does like whatever Ant does? Uh, yeah, guys, follow us. Uh, feedback is always welcome. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Uh, let us know if Anthony talks too much about NASCAR. Um, and if you like us, Martin Tricks. if you like us, all we ask is that you share, uh, plug us, share us, whatever you want, put the word out. Uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. And Anthony, oh. go ahead. Talk about more NASCAR, buddy. I forgot. Ahead, I forgot. Wes. We're going to do a weekly poll. Like every single week, we're going to have a poll. This week's poll is going to feature Kevin DeBrant. Do you think he's the savior of the Warriors, or do you think he's already checked out and leaving? He is the savior of the NBA. Of the NBA. All right. <laughs> so, anyways, um, yeah, are we going to uh, talk any more about NASCAR or Truex, seventh place in his playoffs? Kyle Busch, number one, followed nope. by Joey Logano. Nope, got to go. Sorry, boys. Catch you later. Yeah, I got beat my sunburn that I got from uh... – <laughs> Yeah, I got to take West, care how... of my kids. How's your NASCAR? How's your car? Uh, you a wheel? It, went, it ended up in the dumpster. <laughs> oh, Wes, you, you threw your car out? Oh, on a serious note, though, here, like you said, Brandon, like you said, like us on Facebook. Give us a like on Twitter, too, if you want. And please do comment, like our stuff if you'd like. Share us. Share it if you'd like to, whatever. Um, But please do let us know what you like and don't like so that we can make it more entertaining for you guys so you can hear what you would like to hear. Um, if you want me to cut out NASCAR, that's the only thing that I'm probably not going to be able to do, but I'll do my best to keep it under <laughs> 65 minutes and 21 seconds. Keep it under 65 seconds and we're good. I'll do my best not to talk as much about Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. Now talk as much as you want about Kyle Busch, just not everybody else. Dude, Kyle Busch is amazing. 
The guy wins. I understand why everybody hates him because he wins every single race. Oh, what can you do when your last name is Bush? <sighs> Not much. I was going to get a Bush hat. Bush Ice, Bush Light. He's just a man. Uh, bush ice, bush. That's ice. what happens when you drink a lot, Bush. You win a lot of NASCAR races. All right. And I'm Wesley Splain. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Splain and on Instagram at Wesley Touchdown. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. And we hope Thank you, you very much. On Bench Bros. We out.